good morning and happy December to those of you joining me uh, relatively close to the release date. I hope that everyone is doing well. And if you've listened to my last couple of podcasts, you'll know that time-wise, we are in the last few weeks approaching the winter break. And this is the time of year when students get a little bit squirrely and they're excited and if they've got new video game systems on their mind or if they're playing them, they're up late and and people are just kind of, you know, almost overstimulated. And the topic of today's podcast is something that a lot of us can encounter at any time in the year. But for some reason lately, I've noticed a lot more people around me doing it. And it's sort of the negativity. It's the passive-aggressive comments that colleagues in particular might be making about students. And it really is one of those things where early in my career, I would have just ignored the comments. I would have left the room, or I might have even participated by silently letting it happen, or if it was a particularly funny statement, I might even have laughed. Because as I've said in these podcasts, I am by no means a perfect saint, but I've learned some things in my years of being an educator that I really, I I just want to share as much as I can. And so early in my teaching career, I had people telling me to avoid the lunchroom, avoid the faculty room, avoid the backbiting gossip, because that's where people who might have been in education too long or joined for the wrong reasons will be complaining. They are complaining about the new initiatives in whatever district you happen to be in. They will be complaining about the administration at the school. I've even gone so far as to hear them complain about specific teachers by name. And that is one of those things that I've discovered just like being positive, but even more so negativity is contagious. It is a condition that infects, that pulls down people. And because like many things, it's invisible, you might not know that you're dealing with someone who's negative until it's too late and they're in the middle of a diatribe. And so I'm sure we all know people like this. We all have experienced colleagues, parents, friends, even family members whose sole delight in life seems to be harping on the negative, finding the errors, making sure that people know what their opinion is and why what other people are doing is wrong. And there are a couple of ways to deal with these people. Um, Like I said, some people silently suffer in silence around these people and don't say anything because, frankly, it could be fear-driven. If your colleague is talking about another colleague, what's to stop them from talking about you? And if you're particularly sensitive or if it's a small school, that can really be detrimental to a career. And so... If you are one of those people, I would at least encourage you to get up from the table and leave. Don't silently participate and tacitly give them permission to do this. Because that really is feeding the troll. It's feeding the beast. It's feeding the monster. It's it's letting it happen. Um, you know, I did make a mistake early in my career. I heard someone speaking horribly about a colleague. Horribly. And I knew that this person was close to this colleague, supposedly. But what was being said was really malicious. And what I should have done in hindsight is directly address the person saying it. 
and talk to this person. But what I did was stupid. And I went to the second person in the conversation and said, did you know that so-and-so is talking about you? And here's where it was and here is what happened. And I became part of the gossip and it ended up coming back to haunt me because person A talked to person B and because they were were close, mended that relationship, but then person A turned on me and told me that they would never trust me again. But at the same time, I thought, you know, I'm kind of okay with that because really you're not someone that I want to be associated with. But the problem was this person held a lot of power in the building. This person was a chair of a lot of committees and well-respected. And um, it definitely made the rest of the teaching year uncomfortable because we were on the same team. We taught the same kids. Not the best way to handle it. So again, learning from my experience, don't go to the person being talked about. If you're going to talk to anyone, talk to the person doing the talking. And so that's really going to be the, the rest of this podcast is sort of thoughts and ruminations on do you address the situation? How do you address the situation? When do you address the situation? Because again, I have something similar happening in my own experience right now where there's someone who's lovely. There's someone who, for the most part, and this happened a couple of years ago, you know, but it's coming back to haunt me at this time of year. It's someone who's very active in the building and um, was very powerful in terms of the sway that this person held. And there were just comments being made, both aggressively and passively aggressively, about the state of the children in the building. And... Not nice things were being said. Yes, preteens can be absolutely despicable. They can be rude. They can tell you to go do things that are anatomically impossible. They can cuss at you. But at the same time, they're kids. They're 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. And are their words hurtful? Absolutely. Have preteens made me cry at home? Absolutely. When you're an adult and you're dealing with adult pressures and you're a mom and you've got a lot of stuff going on or you're a dad and you're a coach and you're involved in Boy Scouts, we're all human at the end of the day and and words hurt. And so, you know, you want to take the kids down sometimes. You you want to go toe-to-toe. You want to go tit-for-tat. But you really can. And so when I hear comments about children and about students being vile or making decisions already about their future, never going to amount to anything. Um, Clearly, you've placed importance on your education. Uh, You just want to get out of class. When really the kids might just be trying to help with whatever the scenario is, it becomes, for me, a conversation of conscience. Where do I step up? Is it my job to step up? Is it my job to police the freedom of speech of my colleagues, of the parents with whom I work, of my daughter's friends? And I would have said up until I was about 35, and I'm 41 now, about to turn 42, I would have said, you know, I'm just going to leave the room. I'm not going to participate. But the older I get and the more I see 
the starkness of the world and the more that I see people suffering, the more I, I really feel like these people need to know it's not okay. That the victims of their maliciousness need a champion. And so I'm, I'm throwing this out there to all of you. How are you the champion of a child? How are you the champion of those who can't speak? Are you the one who silently finds out that a kid needs something and, and you make sure they get it? Are you the one that has relationships with kids and checks in with them? Are you the one who's the more vocal and when a colleague or a teacher or even an administrator is stuck in that negative Nancy role, are you the one going, hey, I understand you're frustrated, but what you're saying is not okay. What you're saying is contributing to the problem, not the solution. Are you the one that when you walk in the faculty room and you hear a conversation about how things have changed and years ago this never would have happened and years ago blah, blah, blah. Do you point out that we're not the same society as years ago? Do you point out the uptick in drug cases? Do you point out the changing in the economic scenario where a high school diploma is not enough to make a living wage? Are you the one pointing out that oftentimes we reminisce about the past of rose-colored glasses and if we could travel back in time and look at the kids, there would be striking similarities in behavior because kids are kids regardless of whether it's 18, 15, 19, 20, or 2018. What kind of champion are you? Are you teaching lessons in your classroom about empathy and compassion and sympathy? Are you addressing students who are being unkind to one another and trying to explain to them that what they find funny at this point when they get older, they're going to look back on their actions and be horrified. Or they might one day be the one in crisis. Um, we do a lot in schools with restorative practice and community circles and, and teaching kids how to communicate. And there's been a lot of sort of nose-thumbing at this idea of, oh, kids are supposed to go to school to be educated about science and math and gym. Why are you teaching them how to communicate? Why are you teaching them I statements? Why are you teaching them how to repair and restore relationships? And my comment back is, well, I know plenty of adults that don't know how to do this. I know plenty of adults who have entirely cut off family members because instead of saying, when you do this, I feel blank, they just ignore the situation. And then people die and they never get a chance to repair the relationship. There are countless news stories about road rage and there's videos on YouTube of instant karma and, and people that are happy when people that are driving aggressively get involved in accidents. You know, we're a society that has this need to viscerally live through other people's situations, whether it's as a bystander or a participant. How many of those videos, how many of the news stories are focused on the negative or focused on the drama and the ethos of a 20-year-old is going to be in jail for the rest of his life because he shot someone? Yeah, that's horrible. And yeah, people need to be held accountable. But at the same time, if we're in a situation where we can do some proactive, maybe repair work, what's the harm in that? What's the harm in having a community circle? It might be touchy-feely kumbayaish, but if it reaches one kid and it gives them an alternative so that when they're watching their parents scream at one another or listening to their siblings fight and cuss or watching them engage in physical altercations, if they have a different experience, 
to draw from, they might be the chosen. They might be the one to break the cycle because we all know addiction and abuse are cycles. They are systemic. They are linked to family histories. And so what kind of champion are you in terms of offering the alternative? And if you really were to look at some of the students in your class, you'll see that there are really sensitive souls. They're the artists, they're the drawers, they're the dreamers, and they're the ones that are often told that what they like to do, the sensitive side of them, is never going to make the money. But really, I've had friends write entire blog posts on how it's those sensitive things that have saved society. That during the Great Depression, when people were scraping for money for bread and milk and cheese and waiting in food lines, they would absolutely go to the movies because the movies offered them an escape. It offered them hope. It offered them the ability for a short time to leave the misery of their own existence and feel uplifted. That music came about to save people. The the spirituals from the slave days were meant to worship God, but were meant to give hope and were used to communicate escape routes. You know, the singing, the dancing, the storytelling, the sensitive souls, those are all rooted in the restorative practices. Those are all rooted in the empathy and the sympathy and the recognition that humans have a story to tell. And so you might be a champion of those people. You might be a champion of the arts. You might be a champion of telling other people's stories and informing the world that there are different perspectives and that it's okay to be different. Are you the champion that has the student of the month and the board in the back of the room with the the effort work that children are recognized that might not ever be recognized because they might not make honor roll, but in your particular class or in one particular instance, they had an insightful remark or they went out of their way to help a, a classmate. Are you the champion who makes positive phone calls home to a, a student who has a lot of trouble? And when you look at their behavior chart, you know that those parents are being contacted for cutting class or not doing homework or being disrespectful or skipping detention. And you happen to watch that child to find the one thing they might do that's positive that day. And then you make that phone call. Are you the champion that sends home the good news postcards or the good news letter to parents to let them know, hey, this is what's happening. This is what your kid's doing. Are you the champion who invites the parents into the classroom of the troubled kids? Hey, come see what what your student's doing. Come see the behavior because that is sometimes the champion of both the child and the parent because the parent might be at their wit's end and might not know what's happening in the classroom. You know, I myself have done that and, and what it turned out was the parent said to me I could never be a teacher. And if anything else, it brought a little bit more respect to the craft of teaching because the parents were like, oh my God, I did not know that on a daily basis this is what you do that you don't get to go to the bathroom when you want to, that you have to be in the hallway, that you have to be ready at all times with a million different things. And so I have a decision to make. I have to decide what kind of champion am I going to be in the particular situation that I find myself in, especially as we approach the holidays and the idea of, of being empathetic and being sympathetic and goodwill and peace on earth. Do I make the person doing the saying uncomfortable by possibly pointing it out? Or do I really live the idea of grace and be the champion for the kids? Do I stand up and say enough is enough and let's stop this? That's my dilemma. I'm not real sure what I'm going to do in terms of that. But I, I just wanted to ask all of you, how are you a champion for a child?